0: We're on a mission from God. Wendy. So I got that going. Darling. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light
1: of my life.
0: We enjoy your films. I am a human. I thought they
1: smelled bad. On the outside.
2: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm
1: Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
2: And today marks the Are we 40th. Over-analyzing Whoa! Things? Overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
1: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. How do you guys say it again?
2: And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Foolin' Around on October 17th, 1980. It was written by Michael Kane.
3: Not <laughs> that one. And David
2: Swift. Directed by Richard T. Heffron and released by Columbia Pictures. Gary Busey turned down Urban Cowboy for this and regretted it in his memoirs.
3: I think that was good for Urban Cowboy. Well, for I don't know Gary if it was. Who,
1: who is he going to play?
2: He was going to be the John Travolta part. Really? Yeah. And uh. if he had done it, you know who would have been the other character? No. It would have been Sissy Spacek. Oh. Because the only reason she didn't want to do it is because it was going to be opposite John Travolta and she didn't like him because they had a bad relationship on the set of of Carrie.
3: Yeah. Because I grew up with Gary Busey already being a crazy weird weirdo Mm -hmm. he
2: already looked like a weirdo though in 1980
3: i know he already looked like a weirdo but i think he was a little less crazy yeah for sure (laughs) a little less brain damage from motorcycle accidents and whatnot
1: although if you haven't seen dc cab he's pretty much full busey in that movie yeah
2: that's not too far. It's eighty two or eighty three. Yeah,
3: is he? He's already crazy by then. He's
2: super. I crazy. mean, he he was crazy for at least the first shot of Carney already this but year. Like,
3: yeah, I I agree with that. But like even with Carney and this film, I do not understand casting him as like a male lead, like the like well, the sex you ha- appeal. You haven't of seen him.
2: the Buddy Holly story though, because he is phenomenal in that movie.
3: Okay, yeah. but I still don't. I still don't find him attractive in any way shape or form yeah and so i just don't feel like you could you should cast him in these types of roles
2: well i've always felt like he was super attractive though so <laughs> i mean he seems crazy <laughs> but the crazy that you want to get with <laughs> if you know what i'm saying this I... was the first film shot entirely in minnesota <gasps> Woo! Woo! wait the first first wait, ever feature film released nationwide that was shot entirely in Minnesota. I'm wow. sure there were home videos shot there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or portions of films, yes.
2: but a large Minnesotan manor house used in the film was called Southaway, but is better known by some as the Pillsbury Mansion and was owned by the family who founded the Pillsbury company.
1: Oh. Cuz they have a I lot of dough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't get it. Fun fact, <laughs> Pillsbury as a company was founded in America in 1872 two years before tennis was brought to the U.S.
3: I'm sure they didn't have the little popping canisters back then, though. That's
2: true, yeah.
1: For the tennis balls?
2: I'm just saying the court wasn't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for the tennis balls.
2: (laughs) But Pringles is a laid-back company. They said, fuck it, cut them up. The home video version the one we watched is 10 minutes shorter than the theatrical cut as a result the poster which is crowded with caricatures of wes's various antagonists has a few people and a dog that i do not recognize from the film (laughs) we open on a college campus in full swing it's crowded with students and wes is walking through the crowd seemingly looking for someone and just crashing into people distracted clay a friend of Wes, is watching a group of sunbathing girls with binoculars very discreetly just from his roof across the street. And they
3: were shouting. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: don't know if they were sunbathing. They just seem to be outside. I don't know. I thought one was topless, but she was just wearing a very skin-colored top.
3: She was just wearing skin-colored boobs. Yeah, but that's what (laughs) qualifies as sunbathing in Minnesota. Oh, okay. I can attest to this from Wisconsin. That's all they got.
2: (laughs) He notices Wes walking in front of the girls, and he calls to him. To come across the street and move into the house. This is their frat house or whatever, a house that they're renting together, and evidently they're going to be sharing a room. We cut to the campus bookstore, where Wes is collecting his textbooks for the year, and William H. Macy shows up as Bronsky. He's a black market textbook salesman. And <laughs> he's...
3: I don't think that's the only thing that he sells. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got
2: other things uh, lined up. But here he's pushing a baby carriage around that's just full of textbooks. I'm sure he makes more from this than he does from the cocaine, though. (laughs) Yeah. Not only are these books going to be cheaper, but he promises they'll come with all the answers that he'll need for the whole semester. He meets back up with Clay in the food court, who informs him that these books are out of date and essentially useless. He just wasted $78 on them, which was half price, so they were like over 150 bucks. That's what I paid for books in 2000 something. Well, so in 1980, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I think I paid $150 for one book. Yeah, in totally. Uh, also, he's supposed to be studying architecture, and I imagine architecture books are probably very expensive. Yeah. But also,
2: how does an architecture book have the answers written in it?
1: Yeah. And also, <laughs> how does Clay, who's not an architecture student, and says he's never going to graduate because he's got a one-one GPA? Yeah. Like, how is he? How does he know that these books aren't going to be
3: well, useful? Well, to be fair, it seems like uh, he's just starting college here, so these are probably just gen ed type books.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: But I think Clay knows because Clay has been here. He's been around the, he's been around the track. He knows this guy who sells these things.
1: He's the Van Wilder. Yeah, of because the he school.
2: apparently knows who the guy is and what kind of car he drives. But yeah, so, so somehow Clay knows exactly what where the guy lives and what his car looks like, and he drops Wes off outside his place. Inside, Bronsky's on the phone talking about, oh, we got to get rid of that that uh, Mexican shit because we have some Colombian coming in and. Uh, and he's, like, talking about all his drug deals, but he does books, like, on the side, I guess.
3: Well, and he's got, like, a bodyguard and another guy yeah. working for him in there.
2: And Wes knocks on the door, and Bronski lets one of his buddies open the door for him. So when he comes in, he says, hey, I was looking for a refund on those books you sold me. It turns out they're, they're not any use to me. And Bronski makes it clear that all sales are final. And Wes doesn't really put up much of a fight here, but outside he tells Clay that he's got a plan and he's looking at Bronski's Porsche outside. Bronski hears a horn honking from inside of his Coke layer and he runs to check on the sound. They have hooked up his Porsche to Clay's tow hitch and lifted the car up into a tree to hold it hostage for a refund. He says he's gonna rearrange his front end if he doesn't get his money back. But he's not giving the books back. That's what bothers me. If you want a (laughs) refund, you have to return the product but apparently he gets his refund and everything's fine and this Bronski <laughs> character never comes back. Like I was sure this guy's a drug dealer on right. campus and this is going to backfire eventually but we never see this character again.
3: Well, well, we don't know what happens in those lost 10 minutes. Yeah. That's true.
1: <laughs> uh, if I was Bronski, I would cut my losses on this one deal rather than attract more attention to my drug deal. Right. That's going yeah, probably.
3: On. Yeah, I want to see when they lowered this Porsche back down because I want to see how you can get that Porsche down without actually hurting its front end. I don't know how you got it up in the air without you know
2: (laughs) that's true um west shows up at a laboratory on campus as a subject for some kind of scientific study
0: this is an experiment in psychological response to pleasure pain
2: what do you mean pleasure pain it reminds me of something venkman would do i'm
0: studying the effect of negative reinforcement on esp ability the effect i'll tell you what the effect is it's pissing me off
2: the student conducting the experiment susan straps him into a chair she says that she's going to ask him some questions and if he gets them right he'll get a little shock she says so that sounds backwards to me and this is literally what venkman does is give people a shock when they get the answer right but she says that she's going to shock him when he gets the answer right she pressure locks the room shut and asks him a test question is the object i'm holding right or wrong right or wrong for what just answer the question a banana i i guess it's wrong very good he asks why so
3: but this is so confusing because then wrong, wrong is right wrong is right and right or
2: yeah she doesn't tell him no, what the but correct wrong, answer I think was wrong
3: here. is wrong because otherwise she would have shocked him
2: My... <laughs> i don't know if he got it correct she would have shocked him so he must have gotten it incorrect Which means he said the opposite of the truth. So wrong is wrong. So the banana is right and he said it's wrong. And since he got it wrong, he didn't get zapped.
3: (laughs) Also, none of this is relevant. (laughs) No.
2: The next object is a horn.
3: You're not responding, Mr. McDaniels. Is this object right or wrong?
0: I would say it's right. Uh, Uh, Mr. McDaniels'
3: wrong was right.
2: Which means that he got it wrong. And he still got zapped. He's not supposed to get zapped when he gets it wrong.
3: No, he got it right. See, at this point, I was sure that just saying the word right would get him shocked, but that is not the case either.
2: (laughs) Well, so far it is. The next object was a horn. He calls it right, and she says wrong was right, meaning that he got it incorrect. But he still gets
1: zapped. But she wants incorrect responses. Right,
2: and he gave her the correct response.
3: (laughs) I think we need to move on.
2: Yeah, he he gave her the incorrect response, and he got zapped. He's he's supposed to get zapped. I don't understand. (laughs) He tells her that the next object, a shoe, is right, and she says wrong was right, meaning he answered incorrectly, and so this time he's not zapped, which is correct. She only screwed up on the middle one. He says a Coke can is right and gets zapped, but then the chair malfunctions, and it's just zapping him continuously as it spins around like an astronaut in training susan rushes in to unstrap him and apologize and she walks him out of the lab but he's a little dazed and like tripping over things he asks if he can come back to earn more money tomorrow and she says that he's basically spent as a test subject but there is a construction yard downtown that's hiring on the job site wes is looking for someone to apply for a job through when a guy pulls up in a convertible he points to a temporary road sign in the parking lot blocking his spot and he demands that wes move it even though he doesn't work here yet despite not working here Wes follows these instructions and he pulls and the man pulls his convertible into a wet asphalt parking spot
3: he did and he did protest at first he's like no i don't think you should park there the sign says no park he's like i parked every day day. and he does so he does what the guy wants
2: and to be fair the spot is labeled with his name so they should have given this guy a heads up that they were gonna re-asphalt his parking spot in trying to escape the car, the man falls into the asphalt, which I would think is scalding hot. Like, wouldn't this be like being wrapped in hot tar?
3: This stuff is some some weird combination of asphalt and concrete. Because asphalt is usually just like this thin, hard <laughs> right. layer yeah. that you yeah. put on top. But this is like several inches deep and yeah, black. Yeah, it's like
2: a foot deep. <laughs> because after he walks away from the car, he just watches it sink like six to eight inches down into this sludge.
3: Which is so so terribly elaborate for such a dumb joke like yeah. Yeah. you already had your it was gag. Over. The the gag was over you already sold it like why did you do this elaborate thing to make the car sink further yeah. well
1: see when i first saw the car starting to sink i thought it was just melting the tires yeah and so i was like okay so it's just, it's just gonna sink down to the rims right and and that'll be the end of it <laughs> just kept going <laughs> it kept going i was like well now this makes absolutely no sense right
3: but, and if you're gonna bother to do this Then go all the way. Yeah, I wanted
1: it to completely (laughs) submerge
2: in this spot for no reason.
1: Because he's standing on it and walking on it.
2: We cut to a basement somewhere. Wes has evidently started a job as a maintenance man at this company. And a call comes through to clean someone's office. And Wes is sent up with a vacuum and soap. It turns out the office belongs to the guy from the parking lot. And he's left spy versus spy style cartoon footprints across his office floor. (laughs) But nowhere else in the building. <laughs> yep. It starts at his office door and it only goes across the room to his desk. Wes turns on the vacuum while the guy's on the phone, so he has to cut the call short, and the guy shouts at Wes to get out of his office, so Wes just lets go of the vacuum which starts spinning wildly and just nails him in the crotch
3: Well, this doesn't look like any carpet cleaner that i've ever seen like it looks like a floor polisher that's got one of those rotating discs on it and maybe for a bowling alley maybe this is an old school carpet cleaner that i that i'm not aware of but you know they needed it to do that spinning action to get the joke of hitting him in the crotch Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, but it's just bubbling all over the place and he the guy is just like completely covered in bubbles when he leaves Uh, We cut to the sideline of a football game. Clay is here working as a photographer, and he brought along Wes with his pass. Wes is shouting at the team when Clay notices a girl that he knows. Wes takes Clay's camera to check out the girl he's pointing to, but then swings it off to the left when he notices Susan from the experiment earlier. He goes up to sit with her and asks her on a date, but she says she's engaged. Right then, the guy shows up, and it's parking lot bubble office guy. Wes stands up very suddenly to retreat and knocks office guy's food all down his shirt and it's like hot dogs with like chili and ketchup and everything um and it's all over him finally the guy recognizes the man who has ruined his outfit three times today on a construction yard cloris leachman as samantha is moving through shouting orders to people as she moves into an office building she shouts more orders including a one inch haircut to a passing employee We learn here that this is susan's mother and she is being just as overbearing about planning susan's wedding as she is to her employees
1: uh they have a really fun discussion about her ex fiances and ex-people that she was going to marry yeah and eddie albert is in this room watching and I was like, is that her current husband?
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. And, was, and she
1: is and then, because then Susan says, You never married the ones that I liked. <laughs> and I was like,
2: Yikes. Wow,
1: he is in the room. But he's
2: also weirdly quiet for this whole scene. Like, yeah. he shouldn't have even been there yet.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, turns out they are writing this wedding off as a business expense, and her mom's construction company is doing all the work for it, which explains why Susan knew that there was a construction company hiring across town because her mom runs it. In the middle of Samantha planning her wedding like a business project, Susan suggests...
0: And then after the ceremony, you can get right up on the altar and give your report right there.
2: And her mom just starts crying. Um, Samantha is no fan of sarcasm and recalls having left a past lover for his use of sarcasm. She's still crying into a tissue when Susan just leaves the office, stopping to say goodbye to Grandpa Daggett, as played by Eddie Albert on her way out. So, I don't... I. It just feels weird because we know chloris leachman as being older now mm-hmm. that it seems like she could possibly be the wife of daggett but i think there is a wide enough age difference that he could be her father
1: yeah but 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 again that's why i thought yeah that this was her current husband
2: yeah Wes sees susan at the elevator on his way down the hall carrying a ladder and they chat for a bit about her boyfriend and the hot dog stains from the football game she mentions that her mom is the president of the company and that her grandfather founded it wes enters samantha's office now and moves to check her air conditioning vents when whitley enters Uh, whitley is the parking office hot dog boyfriend who i will now just call whitley (laughs) he came to speak with samantha about a forthcoming promotion he expects and daggett seems unready to let samantha take over the company and moves behind her desk to hear what this man has to say presumably he expects some kind of promotion just for marrying into the family wes overhears the man's speech about wanting to learn every aspect of the business and mutters, What a dipshit this
1: guy is. And everyone
2: in the office can hear it through the vent.
1: I loved this scene.
2: Where they keep turning to look.
1: Yeah, yeah every time every time he Whitley says something, Gary Busey says something back yeah. in the, into the vent and everyone just keeps turning <laughs> yeah. around to all look.
2: Yeah, all three of them turn and look right at the vent like, we just heard blatantly what you said and then they just turn back to their conversation. They don't bother to address him.
3: I don't understand why... Cloris Leachman here is so like on this guy's side. I mean, I guess cause she thinks it's a good match for her daughter. So she yeah. wants to get him promoted. Um, and actually what he offers here in terms of like learning every aspect of the business is good, but that's not – you don't get the promotion and get to start at the bottom and work your way yeah. up. Like those are two opposite things he's asking for. And Daggett
2: even makes the suggestion, oh, that's great. Well, you can start in our in the docks right mm-hmm. now and then we'll, you'll work your way up from the bottom of the company like, like a normal person would have done
1: also i thought that there might have been something going on between samantha because she's giving him hand gestures and he says throbbing business yeah Yeah. and i was like wait
3: i actually wondered if that was part of the 10 minutes that was taken out because the story makes so much more sense if there's a relationship there yeah
2: yeah and it also really services well an ending that i would have preferred over what happens at the end of this film yeah As Whitley speaks, Samantha's lips are moving in sync with his, and it's clear that this is a prepared speech that they've worked on together. Samantha probably even wrote it for him. It's also pretty clear that Susan didn't choose this guy herself. This is likely an arranged engagement. Wes laughs in the vent again, and everyone hears it. Whitley admits directly to Daggett that he expects a promotion to vice president, and Daggett is outraged. This man knows nothing about construction, and he sets out to prove it. He asks what a heading bond is, and Samantha tries to give him the answer with charades, but Wes seems to know it off the top of his head. It's a
1: pattern of brick bonding formed with wood beams set between two trimmers. Whitley. Damn. This is, uh, this is some sort of um, um, quiz or joke. What's a jackpile? A jackpile?
2: Uh, uh. Samantha's had enough of the voice from the vents and climbs the ladder to order Wes down and out of her office. On his way, he predictably smashes Whitley's balls with the careless ladder-wielding. Daggett is loving this because Wes knew the answers to the questions and smashed the balls of a guy he hates, and so he <laughs> follows him out to the elevator bay. Samantha attends to Whitley on the floor who demands Wes's firing. Daggett seems aware the ladder attack was on purpose, and Wes admits that he's worked in construction all his life and he's just here part-time while he earns a degree in architecture. When Wes admits to Daggett that he knows Susan, Daggett gets really excited. He wants to know when they're going to see each other again. And Wes says, probably not soon on account of her engagement to that idiot in there. And Daggett brushes off the engagement like, oh, that's nothing serious. They shake hands and Daggett tells Wes, you remind me of myself. And he says, thank you. The next day, Wes runs back to the lab where Susan's co-scientists tell him that she's out playing tennis.
1: This should have been part of that 10 minutes that was missing. Yep. Because it adds (laughs) no reason
2: not to take this out. A monkey though is being strapped into the hot seat here i did i did appreciate that <laughs> i could i could do with more animal torture in these 80s movies <laughs> wes finds susan walking away from the tennis courts and she tells him about the problems she's having with her tennis game he doesn't know the first thing about tennis but he starts giving her bogus tips and she invites him to a tennis game that she's organizing with her friends this weekend at her home she gives him a peck on the cheek as she leaves. We cut to Susan at a fitting for her wedding dress. She's complaining to Mom that Whitley is actually too perfect at everything, and she's having second thoughts. Samantha asks if his perfection includes his bedroom performance, and Susan is understandably grossed out. Again, this feeds into a potential subplot that is not explored. That night, Wes has his nose buried in several tennis books, and Clay tells him, There's no way you can learn tennis in four days, because it's super complicated. But is it?
3: Well, but also you don't learn tennis from a book right i'm not
2: saying he's going to be great at tennis by sunday but it's probably possible to learn all the rules in a day
1: (laughs) and it would probably have been good to at least watch somebody play tennis yeah
2: friend at court the official book of rules and regulations under which tennis is played in the united states is only 228 pages long but if you cut out the table of contents 16 pages and the (laughs) glossary slash index 39 pages it's only 173 pages long and that's in 2020 i'm sure the rules have gotten a lot more complicated since 1980 we see west sleeping with a racket and drop into a dream sequence
1: (laughs) yes i don't know it it, it started to zoom in me, and i was like Come on, go into a dream sequence, dream sequence, dream sequence, dream sequence. And, and we started- open
2: in this blurry dream where he cracks <laughs> eggs into a jar and then he drinks them like Rocky does. But also other people do in yeah. real life.
1: Yeah. And then just but he just runs around training.
2: He yeah, he swings a racket around and uh, he's he's running past a van where Clay is sleeping with two girls for some reason. Don't they have a house? <laughs> but I, but
1: I love that in his dream, Clay is getting with girls. Yeah, in
2: a in a car outside. They slept out in the cold <laughs> in the Minnesota cold. He crosses a footbridge, practicing his swing. He moves through a meat locker and smacks hanging pork ribs. I'm, sh- I'm a hundred percent certain that this was supposed to have the Rocky theme behind it, and they what? backed out when they got the price. They were like, "Oh, never, never mind, mind. We'll just put in a sound alike. Oh, we can't afford a sound alike. Oh, we'll put this in then. Just the first track I find in this uh, stock CD." Uh, he climbs the stairs to the top of a tower and then hammers a tennis ball out onto a freeway. And this is the end of the dream sequence, well, I guess. Yeah. But
3: also, only that very first shot in the sequence had like the blurry edges. The whole rest of this is just like clear, crystal clear yeah. like it's the rest of the film.
2: <laughs> so there's really no so reason transition. that this had to be a dream at all.
3: And I guess it's funny that the end of his dream is successfully just hitting a ball off of a tower it doesn't even we can't even see it like it doesn't go miraculously far we don't see him being really good at tennis the the only
2: thing that's kind of (laughs) dreamlike there is that after he hits it he disappears yeah right when he hits the ball and
1: it plays a gong sound and since he was already giving her like tips of the oriental grip right i'm assuming that that was supposed to be a reference to that
2: but we don't cut to like him waking up on the couch no which makes it feel like Oh, was that even a dream sequence or did i just like misread that cue at the beginning where we zoomed in on a guy sleeping and went blurry for a minute <laughs> Wes walks up to susan's place with a duffel bag full of his golf shit uh their <laughs> tennis yes
1: <Yeah. laughs> uh, same thing
2: i know sports
1: <laughs> it was a ball and a thing you hit
2: the ball yeah, he hits the golf shit into the tennis ball <clears throat> their butler pedicord played by tony randall for some reason <laughs> <laughs> takes a moment to answer the door, so Wes moves around to check for other doors. And when he comes back, the door's open because the butler is outside looking for him. And Wes walks right in without any of his golf slash tennis shit. And then he closes the door behind him. Also, apparently, he locks it. So now the butler is locked outside with all of his tennis stuff. Petticord finds Samantha outside and shows her what he found when Wes rings the doorbell again. And Samantha says, Go check the door. Somebody's at the door again. Again, Wes walks away from the doorbell that he just rang like a child with ADHD, always on the move. <laughs> Petticord and Wes miss each other again while Petticord checks the porch again, but Wes finds his tennis bag this time and leaves.
1: Yeah, I, I was getting a little tiresome of this gag. Yes. and But I was like, okay, this is the end of the gag. We're done, we're done. Yeah, I was like, okay. Definitely th-
2: not going to do more of this. Yeah. Wes finds Petticord and asks if there's somewhere he can change before visiting Susan on the tennis court why not just wear those clothes here <laughs> it's like you had to do a costume change five seconds after you got here whitley is not excited to see wes approaching they set up for doubles with wes and susan on a team against whitley and another girl and whitley serves a laser right into wes's nuts susan is mad at whitley for crushing wes's balls and wes moves inside the house to strike up another conversation with daggett again he pushes his granddaughter on wes and wes says oh she's just a friend Daggett says,
0: Let me tell you something. You can have a dog for a friend. You can have whiskey for a friend. But if you've got a woman for a friend, you're going to end up drunk and kissing your dog.
2: (laughs) Susan finds them in the kitchen where Wes admits he doesn't know anything about tennis. She suddenly invites him sailing and leaves her boyfriend at the party. They sail for a bit and then Wes tips the boat. They splash each other in the water before ravenously
1: making out. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's this weird cut to them walking and and he says are you are you drying out is she says yes i'm completely dry i was like wait what yeah
2: he should have said completely (laughs) west tells her about his architecture degree and construction experience they go sailing again i think because she's just like hey why don't we go down there and he's like sure i'll go anywhere once and they walk down to a dock to another boat but as soon as they get on the boat this time we cut to them stepping off of it hours later she asks him to sneak out discreetly and he runs headlong into whitley on his way out susan and whitley fight about this the next day on campus whitley approaches west with two goons and offers him five thousand dollars to forget he ever knew susan west doesn't take the money and so the goons pick him up and drop him in a hole dug for a tree (laughs) like there's a hole in the yard dug with a tree laying next to it and they just drop him in the hole
3: so I was expecting this story point to come back where, you know, Susan could be upset by the fact that her fiance essentially put a price on her. It's like, well, you're you're probably worth five thousand dollars to somebody. Yeah. But anything
2: more than that and he can have you.
3: Yeah, well it just <laughs> it just seemed to me that like the idea of being able to buy somebody off like that is is, is offensive and right. should come back to help ruin their relationship Yeah,
2: it's like if rachel lee cook never found out and she's all that like oh it was a bet like they never discussed that <laughs> yeah. part
1: uh or worse like if he would have just like tossed the money at him and when when west tries to give the money back mm-hmm. then it, they just beat looks, him up it looks bad like yeah like it's like i paid you that five thousand dollars you said you'd stay away from her it's like no i'm you know like like you have some kind of misunderstanding about the money
3: yeah
2: we see a snippet of a bridal shower susan is unwrapping an enormous silver turtle (laughs) and the back opens up to reveal a pot inside her aunt explains that this is for cooking turtle meat specifically
3: I wonder if this – because this is such a weird thing that she's describing how to cook the turtles in this thing that clearly is not made for cooking things Mm -hmm. in. And I just wonder if this is one of those situations where they're like, just pretend like you're talking. Just say anything randomly so your lips are moving. This is part of a montage. And we won't won't hear it. So just whatever. It doesn't matter.
2: But also the the thing about this invention that bothers me the most is the redundancy. Because all you have to do is cut open the back of a turtle's shell – and you got a pot to cook the turtle meat in right there <laughs> the meat's already in it you just stir it around a little again where is the animal torture west pulls up to the house and he's shooed away by the butler and samantha he walks around the house oh. and breaks in through a bathroom window uh,
1: i i, I want to talk about this scene okay <laughs> sorry i betty is my favorite character in this movie <laughs>
2: okay that's a weird choice <laughs>
1: Because I love how Tony Randall is playing it. He's he's like full. He's on, the
2: worst butler ever. He's like, full on
1: like Sunset Boulevard though. Yeah. Like, madam, yes, yeah. madam.
2: But he's also every time she walks away, bitch. Like, <laughs> he just hates everything she asks him to do.
1: But but he tries to shoo her him away. And Samantha comes and interrupts him and is like, no, hold on one second. And she cl- she half closes the door and she's berating Petticord and explaining that she's going to tell him to go away. But he goes, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> he's so angry that he can't even do the job that yeah. he wants he to do. He doesn't even
2: get to take out the trash here.
1: And then he just like, he, he whenever he's just done with the conversation, he just goes, thank you, madam, yeah. and walks away.
2: Uh, But yeah, Wes walks around the house and he breaks in through a bathroom window and sets off their whole security system.
1: All units. All
2: units. Code 2.
0: Possible 1013 in progress at the Daggett Estate.
3: All units. Which seems odd because usually if you're home especially with a bunch of guests you probably wouldn't want your security system on because if somebody opens a window they're going to set it off and also how would they know that opening that window is somebody trying to break in unless they had security footage on him yeah
2: Yeah. Uh, it's not like the alarm was triggered by the window breaking it could have just been a guest (laughs) took a huge stinky dump and (laughs) they opened the window
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry right when richard takes us (laughs) in (laughs) (laughs)
2: Wes steals Petticord's coat and a tray of appetizers while Petticord is in the bathroom and then he sneaks into the party with them he tells susan that he has to speak with her and they crawl under a table at the party where they just continue to talk about how he needs to talk to her like under they've been under the table for 35 seconds already and all he's communicated to her is i just need to talk to you for like 15 minutes that's what he says you don't need that much time to explain what you're here to do
3: but also they're not under a table they're literally under the piano there is no like cover or like but i'm just saying there's no tablecloth coming down like their legs are just hanging out from under a piano (laughs) like anybody walking by could clearly trip over them them.
2: spill their turtle meat all over the (laughs) carpet (laughs) they sneak out to the kitchen where west snags a bottle of wine on their way out of the building the butler keeps trying to bring Wes to samantha's attention and she keeps dismissing him so he tries to quit his job yeah he like goes and packs his bags with all this stolen wine from the kitchen yeah and he just walks out of the building with his hat and uh samantha at the door is like well where are you going like hold on and he's like nope i I don't work here anymore bye Mm
0: -hmm. i don't have to take this shit madam
2: you are dismissed
0: thank you madam
2: Outside, though, he is immediately arrested by the security team, who assume that he is the person who broke into the building. I assume they would have just taken whoever came out of this building well, first.
3: I guess. Like, that seems so weird because, again, he doesn't look like the guy, so they clearly didn't have yeah. footage of the guy that and was breaking in. And there's 40 it.
2: people here for a bridal shower.
3: And this guy is wearing all the fancy pants clothes. Like, yeah. he's probably not the dude that broke in. But he
2: does have two briefcases full of stolen wine. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but they don't it, know that. Yeah, they, they don't know that him. yet.
1: Right. So I thought when, what they were going to do is they were going to tell him to stop and, like, like start to cuff him and he drops the suitcases and they open up and that's when you would see all the stuff that he's stolen from the house yeah but that doesn't happen
2: but samantha vouches for him here and she recognizes him as one of her employees and then he moves back inside and he's like fine i'll continue to work here wes and susan leave in wes's van they walk along a river by a
1: dam somewhere okay not just a river but a terrifying. it's the mississippi guys it's like it's like moving it? so fast. Yeah. I I would just be scared of accidentally like just falling in.
3: Yes, I recommend not falling into the Mississippi. It, Does it, the
1: Mississippi go uh, through Minnesota?
3: Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. It but it, but where they are specifically is next to like a waterfall or flood control. Yeah. yeah. And it's just Raging it's raging water, it's it's gotta be loud as hell. But it's also
2: at like a forty percent grade, which was confusing to hell yeah, out of her. Like, She's like, yeah, are because- they like tipped forward <laughs> as they're walking? What is happening yeah, here? Yeah, the
3: angle on the camera, because it's cut off, you just see it looked like you comped in a river at the wrong angle behind yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> it does it
1: does look like that. Yeah. I, I I was just just horrified. Yeah. Like like I don't I would never get that close to like the Niagara River yeah. by the falls. Like where they have, like, guardrails. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, no, nah, I don't even want to get close to that guardrail.
2: Well, you're not going to like the tickets we got you for the, the ladies in the mist for your Christmas present.
1: <laughs> I've been on them.
2: Have you? Yeah. Made so mist. you just lied to us that you wouldn't go that close to the water?
1: I don't like to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did it but to this, piss myself off.
1: Uh, and this was a place with no handrails. Yeah. It well, was- we
2: got you a ticket on the boat with no handrails.
1: <laughs> oh, No. <laughs>
2: uh they finish their walk and they get to the van again and then move into the back seat of the van to have some van sex afterwards he tells her that he loves her and she can't believe what she's done when she gets home her mom is waiting up to lecture her for walking out on the bridal shower
3: i thought your i thought your observation here though was kind of interesting what's that you said that no man would get away with this in a movie
2: oh right yeah you wouldn't be the protagonist anymore if you were like oh i have a fiance but i just screwed this guy on the back of a van um her mom sits her down and reminds her of a trivial grade school crush that she outgrew and i think she's trying to draw a comparison from west to that like oh you've always been attracted to idiot children like (laughs) just drop this kid and stay with the guy that we're paying everything for
3: but again i don't really understand what like they haven't really established Whitley as being a catch for any reasons. Like we haven't shown that he is especially rich on his own. We haven't showed that he is a skilled businessman on his own. We haven't established him to be the perfect match for any reason.
2: But also aside from trying to pay him $5,000 to leave, he also hasn't been especially an asshole either. Yeah. He's just kind of boring.
1: He's, he's been a little obnoxious, but that, but, it doesn't justify what's been going on Mm -hmm. um i
2: just worry that maybe he's a baxter and he doesn't deserve (laughs) all the hate susan heads to bed and samantha moves to Petticord's room and has sex with him yeah and thanks him for coming back to the house
3: I think I missed that moment.
2: Yeah, I did on my first pass too. But then I saw it on my second pass. So I was like, okay, so there's at least a seed for what gets set up yeah, at the end of this film. Because I was but so confused by the ending. Like... You can cut this out very easily and not affect <laughs> the movie at all. Susan goes to Wes's frat house in the middle of the night and just wakes him up to say, I can't see you anymore, and then turns to run away. The next day, instead of right now, when he could easily catch up with her, the next day he tries to reach her at her home over the phone and in person but samantha keeps rushing him away on a job site he talks with daggett at the top of a building under construction and wes is a tad afraid of heights here they take a seat on the ledge and wes admits that he's in love with daggett's granddaughter he tells daggett that he's moving back to oklahoma and he wants daggett to tell her that he loves her and goodbye which is kind of a dick move if you ask me like Mm -hmm. just so you know i loved you and you missed this opportunity this boat has (laughs) sailed daggett tries to cure wes's acrophobia with a story as a kid daggett's father cured his fear of heights with a stunt he asks wes if he's carrying any special heirlooms and he just happens to have a, a family ring on him
3: no it's the cracker jack box ring yeah
2: i don't know why he would bring it here if his plan was i'm gonna go back to oklahoma fuck off i to think this he girl. had
3: it on him because it was precious to him it yeah. was special it was from oh just date. as a
2: memento of their river walk yeah they and went on a date Fuck.
3: she was eating cracker jacks it came out of the box and he kept it
2: okay either way he's got that and uh and daggett takes it and he says what his father did which is he took this precious watch and he put it out on the end of an ibm 34 floors up and he sat there and watched it all day because he was too scared to go out and get it
1: now the quality of this version we were watching wasn't all that great but it really looked like Yes. Eddie Albert went out on that beam because, like, I was like, okay, that's a stunt double. But then he turns around. I was like, no, nope, that's, that's Eddie Albert. That's Eddie Albert. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I think they are really high up on a building, but there had to be just netting like crazy underneath them. Yeah. But even then, if you He's lose so your old. balance here and fall and hit this Frack beam your on your way on down, you could yeah. break your arms. You yeah. could break your ribs. You could die easily.
1: He's not a young man.
2: No. He could be Chloris Leachman's dad. <laughs> that's how old he is. But then he says, at dinner that night, he impressed his father by rolling up his sleeve to reveal, you know, I got that watch that was out on the end of the I-beam. And he wanted the watch, but he couldn't stomach the drop, and he sat there and watched it all day. And so he takes Wes's ring, and he puts it on the end of the beam, and he says... all depends on how bad you want something. And then he walks away.
3: And I I loved that this moment happened, because it was... Like, it was exactly what I wanted to say to this character. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why are you giving up at this point? Like, it seems weird that you're not trying harder if this is yeah. what you want.
2: And Wes just sits there and stares at the ring for a while. And he makes, like, a half attempt before just retreating and going home and giving up on everything. But I do feel like the beginning of the writing for this movie being decent is this one
1: speech that mm-hmm. he gets from Eddie Alvarez in this crazy third act yeah the third act
2: is so fucking good (laughs) compared to the beginning of the movie i feel like someone like they wrote this in thirds and the last guy was like this is garbage you guys hold on whitley meets with his pair of goons and he pays them a thousand bucks up front to keep wes away from the wedding at home wes is vomiting in a bucket from having drunk too much beer when clay enters and suggests they go for a drive with the windows down By coincidence, he takes Wes past the building with his ring on the roof, and then he just jumps out of the van and races to the top of the building with Clay and these goons following him. Wes gets out on the beam and collects the ring, but Clay from below thinks he's committing suicide, and he's shouting (laughs) up, Wes!
0: he's not worth it!
2: When Wes turns around, though, uh, he finds his path blocked by the goons and they say basically they're going to keep him on this beam until the wedding's over. Which so I thought he's was pretty smart
3: on their part. Yeah. Like, I'll yeah. Just, we'll just wait. We'll wait this one out yeah. and we're good to go.
2: But instead he turns and he jumps off the beam to grab a passing bucket hanging from a crane and then he rides the bucket down to street level. It reminded me a lot of the scene in Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when they jump from the ledge to this bucket, uh, and Bowser is in the bucket mm. trying to kill them with a, a Super Scope 6 or a Devo gun, whatever you want to call it. He shouts to Clay for his car keys and then doesn't make the catch, so the keys just plummet <laughs> many floors to the street. I thought it was just such a weird story choice to be like, let's have him try and get the keys from his friend. No, that doesn't work, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, it was unrealistic that he was gonna make that catch anyway. Um, but then, when he's about thirty feet from the ground, he jumps out of the bucket, even though it's still coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he approaches the goon car because he thinks, "Oh, maybe I can steal this." But they see him from an elevator and wave their keys at him to mock him.
1: They're uh, like, oh, you looking for these? He's like, "We're gonna be right down there." And then he start when he starts moving the cement, they're like, "Hey, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, stop, wait. stop, wait. Hey, that. please don't do that." <laughs> it's just like, no, you guys already lost your yeah. your your ability to say no
2: but yeah so he drags the chute of this cement truck over and just fills their convertible with concrete before running off to hitch a ride on a passing bus it, it does it's non-stop from here on out this yeah. movie is ridiculous the whole rest of the way. Uh, he barely gets onto the bus before the doors close and it looks like just by chance in the scene his foot gets caught in the door yeah but the goons are trying to grab his foot and it's hanging out of the door and eventually the goons wrestle the whole door off of the bus and just throw it at the bus as it Mm. continues to drive away from them the goons bust up a hot dog stand and steal the hot dog mobile parked behind it (laughs) to chase after the bus and i was like that's exactly what i wanted to happen when i saw it in the background and you did it you stole the hot dog
1: everything that i want to happen from this point on happens
2: very nearly almost everything that i wanted to happen (laughs) but yeah um, but they catch up to the bus, and Wes is trying to explain to the driver what happened to the bus door when somehow one of the goons has caught up with the bus, gotten in the back door, and r- is racing down <laughs> yeah. the aisle well, well, toward him.
1: Yeah, I, I think they stopped. For some reason, the bus driver only now is upset. Yeah. And is telling Busey to get off the bus. Yeah. It's like, but he, why didn't you not let him on in the first place? Yeah.
3: I thought he was more like stopping because he realized the door was missing and, um, and Wes was just like, I got to go. I don't have time for you yeah. to stop for a door. And yeah. he just left.
2: Yeah. But the the goon is coming up the center of the bus when he jumps out the front door. And he climbs into the bucket of a passing cherry picker truck. So now the goons are chasing him in the hot dog. And he's in this cherry picker bucket. And he's he has the controls. So he's able to raise and lower the bucket to escape their grasp. But nearly decapitates himself oh several God. times on these passing footbridges. The stunts here are incredible. This had to be, like, the entire budget was just the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I was so nervous every time he would just lower yeah. it down and duck and just barely. I was like,
3: ugh. But
2: twice, he barely ducks under this bridge to avoid getting clipping his whole head off i'm
3: not entirely sure why it was necessary for him to go up at all Go up at all because it's not like these guys in the wienermobile yeah. are going to be able to reach yeah, him they're in the inside the car picker. one is
2: like standing out of the top though yeah, trying yeah. to grab at but it's him
3: it's like a sunroof out of a car like yeah you're not gonna be able to pull a man down off of a cherry picker. no for
1: sure um i i love when he hits the 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 trilight signal is dangling yeah. and it's <gasps> yes. spinning around and so no one knows what direction like the, the light is <laughs> so all these cars just go into the intersection and crash into each yeah. other yeah
2: it's it's incredible that they were able to do that stuff but they're tearing the parts off of passing cars they break the ladder of a man trying to fix a street
1: sign it's really great footage
3: and he's just dangling there from from the <laughs> yeah. hanging uh, he's like somebody help, help
1: me <laughs> And he keeps yelling to people that he sees. What time is it? Yeah, because he wants to make sure he's. And not they're late.
2: they're managing to answer before he's out of earshot. Yeah, which I love. Uh, meanwhile, the brakes are out on the hot dog mobile, and it's just speeding down the road, nearly crushing a pedestrian who does like a full somersault in front of it. It's a really dangerous close yeah. stunt. Uh, they swerve onto some railroad tracks, which for some reason lead to a ramp into a lake. <laughs> and the, the whole, they drive a fucking Oscar Mayer hot dog car into a lake. Yep. It's incredible. Wes jumps out of the bucket and tucks and rolls on the side of the road. And when he stands, he finds a group of hang gliders setting up shop on a hillside. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah.
1: he's was like, like, oh my God. He's going to get on one of these hang gliders. And
2: it's not even done being crazy yet. <laughs> He can see the church from here on, at the top of this hill, and he hears the chime of the bell. It's one o'clock. That's when the wedding's supposed to start. And so then we cut to the hot dog car floating through the locks of a nearby canal, and we get our second scene of a lock operator phoning in a car in the locks <laughs> for 1980. Weirdly, this only happens in Chloris Leachman movies <laughs> because we last saw it in Herbie Goes Bananas. <laughs> Wes is able to buy access to a hang glider from the men on the hill, and it actually has a prop, so he's able to fly it long distance to get the whole way to the church. We're getting shots now from outside and inside the church, and it has this enormous (laughs) circular stained glass window, and I knew instantly how the film was going to end, but I was sure, like, no way. After that car crash scene, like, there's no way there's any budget left over for what I want desperately to happen
1: here. I, I was just like, I was just so... Excited yeah. about the stained glass window. <laughs> yeah.
2: Daggett walks Susan down the aisle, but neither of them looks particularly excited. Right when she gets to the front of the church, Susan turns to run out, and Samantha tries to stop her in the church lobby. Mom, I love you, but I don't love him. What will I tell them? I don't know, but you'll think of something. You always do. Susan runs outside and immediately recognizes Wes in this hang glider from hundreds of feet yeah. below. <laughs>
1: and I, and I was really mad and I was like, no! Don't go outside. You need to be inside. You're ruining the surprise. (laughs) This isn't going to work out. My note is I'm getting serious stained glass window blue balls right now. (laughs) 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 That's
2: great. Samantha gets an idea and she runs back inside and she has co-opted the wedding. Now she is the bride and her groom is (laughs) pedicored. What is happening?
1: I was like, this movie just keeps getting better. Yeah.
2: As Daggett walks her down the aisle, Whitley is following over her shoulder, demanding various raises and benefits at work. I don't understand what leverage he has here. They don't need him for anything anymore. He's not the groom. But for some reason... He settles for $100,000 a year and the ring back, but I don't know what they're getting in return other than a shitty vice president.
1: Right? Yeah, I mean, I, he's got
3: nothing to offer. I, yeah,
1: he, he did work there in some capacity, but I don't know what that capacity is. It's yeah. like
3: is he able is he going to be able to like sue them or something over this? Like I don't understand. He has no leverage unless there was a relationship there with Samantha and right. he's and he he's threatening to oust her for that relationship
2: i don't know either way (laughs) just as they're beginning their vows wes crashes the (laughs) hang glider through the stained glass window into the church and samantha and Petticord just tell everyone to shut up so they can finish their vows and kiss and then Susan finds Wes in the wreckage of the hang glider crash and kisses him. And that's the end of our film. Now, there are two ways that this could have ended better. The simple way would just be that he interrupts the wedding, right. like their vows, mm-hmm. after she's she, she has to make it clear that she doesn't want to go through with the wedding, mm-hmm. and she turns around to walk away, and he crashes through the stained glass window. That might be the obvious choice. Another choice, I would have said, is if you drop the scene with her sleeping with Petticord, and you have her deciding to marry... Whitley because we kind of set up that relationship and that would explain why he's asking for a specific kind of raise as they're going down the aisle together because it's like well I don't want to marry you and it's like how about a hundred thousand dollars and it's like okay yeah and the ring back and that and then they get married but instead it's her marrying pedicord but that's the end of our film it's uh
3: and the relationship would account for why Samantha was so into him earlier in the mm -hmm. film yes and if maybe at that point um, Susan had left and Samantha and, and Whitley were at the front, but of course Wes doesn't know that it's, you know, it's not Susan from behind. Right. It just looks like her. And, and, and then he crashes through and interrupts that and, you know, has his Stella moment. Yeah. And he's, you know, trying to stop this wedding and she turns around and there's the reveal that it's not Susan anymore. And then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they go walk off into the sunset. Yeah.
2: This was directed by Richard T. Heffron. He directed *Westworld* sequel *Future World*. He also did a he directed a *True Grit* TV movie sequel called *True Grit: A Further Adventure*. He also did six episodes of the miniseries *North and South*, Book One. Writer Michael Caine is not the one you're thinking of, unless he is. He <laughs> previously played Abe Titus, Taco Tycoon, in *Middle Age Crazy* and Herb Morris former secret service head in the kidnapping of the president this is his only screenwriting credit on imdb this is actually michael Caine, roman numeral three not michael cain roman numeral one who has a story credit on smoky and the bandit two and wrote dialogue for jaws 3d <laughs> and not michael cain with a c roman numeral one from the island or Dress to kill or jaws 4 <laughs> writer david swift wrote and directed the parent trap uh, both versions of it and how to succeed in business without really trying he also was an animator on snow white pinocchio fantasia and peter pan hmm. Hmm. but he's not one of the nine old men i looked
0: mm-hmm.
2: gary Busey was wes he was frankie and Carney earlier this year he had previously done the buddy holly story and big wednesday and would go on to lethal weapon predator 2 and point break among many many others Annette O'Toole is Susan. She was Alice Perrin in Cat People. She's Elaine in Forty Eight Hours. She's Lana Lang in Superman Three. She's also Beverly Marsh from the It TV miniseries, and she was Lisa Bridges on Nash Bridges.
1: Well, she also has another Superman connection. Uh, yes. On Smallville, she played uh, Ma Martha Kent. Kent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she came back because I think she was the original Lana in the first Superman as well, she only has like one line, one or two oh, lines maybe. of dialogue yeah i um, checked
2: for previous supermans and i didn't see it i just saw the third one yeah but.
1: and and so she so as soon as i saw Neto tool in the credits because i will admit that i watched the several of the first seasons of smallville in, just for her well no not just for her <laughs> but uh for Kristen Crook. uh but but now that, that crazy sex cult stuff came out who knows what's going on with her wait that um, wasn't Kristen crook though she was involved with that
2: no it was the other girl
1: oh well she no she they t- they tried to get her
2: oh did it. they really yeah i don't think krista crook got roped in though
1: no no but the yeah but the other girl yeah chloe girl
2: uh but annette o'toole we already mentioned her earlier on the show uh because she played dorothy dotty thorson widow of ralph papa thorson in the huntress which was a tv series sequel to the 1980 film the hunter following the widow and daughter of thorson taking up his bounty hunting work in the wake of his death by explosion <laughs> John Calvin was Whitley. He is Wilson Kreider on Dallas, and he was Clifford in Critters 3 with Leonardo DiCaprio. Eddie Albert was Daggett. He played Max, father of Susan St. James, in How to Beat the High Cost of Living earlier in 1980. He's also Oliver Wendell Douglas on Green Acres. He's Mr. Corcoran in The Heartbreak Kid. He's Irving Radovich in Roman Holiday, and he plays Warden Hazen in The Longest Yard. Cloris Leachman is Samantha she played nana in herbie goes bananas earlier this year she's frau blucher in young frankenstein she's beverly ann stickle on the facts of life mama on raising hope granny in the beverly hillbillies and so much more whenever i think of her in the beverly hillbillies i forget if i mentioned this on the show before so stop me if i'm repeating myself but i think of an interview that Diedrich bader did on the never not funny podcast where he talked about working on that movie and he said that he they were all staying in the same hotel the whole cast and he went down to the hotel bar one night and um jim varney was sitting at the bar And he sat down next to Jim Varney and he's like, what are you going to have? And he, and he orders a drink and then Jim Varney's like, that sounds good. I think I'll have one of those. And the bartender makes one for both of them. And then a few hours later, Cloris Leachman sits down and he's like, Hey, what are you going to have? And she orders a drink. And he's like, that sounds good. I think I'll have one of those. And he matched the entire cast drink for drink all night. And so GJ Vader's (laughs) like, I'm going to do this too. And so he tried to do it because he didn't have to shoot the next day. And he said they were together drinking until like four o'clock in the morning because he, he had the next day off. And when he got back up to his room, there was a message on his phone. (laughs) And his call time had been moved up a day. So the first day that he had to shoot, it was him and Cloris Leachman in the car. And he was just like super drunk from the night before. (laughs) And he said he doesn't even remember shooting it. And you could tell that he's drunk watching the scene. Um, But that that whole scene always cracked me up in my head just picturing him doing that.
1: That movie is perfectly cast. Yeah, it's really great. You cannot ask everyone... Everyone of the time, if I were to cast that movie in that time, was casting them. Yeah, it was perfect. Clarice
2: Leachman's great in everything, though. I really do love her. Uh, Tony Randall was Pettichord. We had him earlier this year as himself on The Gong Show. He was a guest judge. He's also Felix Unger on The Odd Couple. We'll see him next in King of Comedy as himself again in 1982. And he's the voice of the Brain Gremlin.
1: <laughs> You're Tony Randall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whoa! Tony Randall! Hey! big fan of yours
1: Good, thank Ooh, you. could I have your autograph
2: Michael Talbot was Clay he was Mickey the race car driver who killed Jack Warden and used cars he'll be back as Officer Morgan in Any Which Way You Can later this year he's also Balford in First Blood Detective Sweetech on Miami Vice and Cowboy in National Lampoon's Vacation Shirley Kane was Aunt Eunice possibly a relative of screenwriter Michael Kane she has no other credits William H. Macy was Bronsky. We just had him as a critic in Somewhere in Time. He's got lines in this movie, though. Uh, he's also in Fargo, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, Jurassic Park 3, and Shameless. Roy Jensen... Didn't we
1: also? Wasn't he also in that Stunt Rock movie?
2: No, that's Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Yeah. Uh, Roy Jensen was blue. That's one of the two goons. He played Donovan in Soylent Green and Mulvihill in Chinatown. We had him earlier this year as Lee Mendenauer in Tom Horn, and he'll be back later this year as Moody in Any Which Way You Can. Gene LaBelle played Paul. He was a taxi driver in Rush Hour. He's a con man in The Jerk. He played Stroke in Battle Creek Brawl. He'll be back later this year as a ring announcer in Raging Bull, but he has mostly stunt credits, including this year, Bronco Billy, Airplane, Battle Creek Brawl, Any Which Way You Can, and Inside Moves. This movie sucks for an hour and then it's great for 40 minutes
3: <laughs> was that 40 minutes of the I, th- movie? I think
2: it's like an hour and a half or
1: no no the, but the, the third act yeah is yeah. like like maybe 25 minutes
2: and it's so great it's every moment in it is exactly what i wanted to happen if it had been that mad cap for the entire movie it would have been this yeah. would have been a no-brainer like great film
3: yeah and i think that if if you had had some of the more exaggerated moments earlier on i think that uh susan's you know desire to be with west would have made a little bit more sense like i don't think he was super you know desirable I, d- I don't understand why she wants to leave this other guy for him because he doesn't do anything super special for her yeah
2: and especially their first encounter she does not seem interested at all mm-hmm. like she's apologetic for what she did to him but she's just like okay bye whoever you are go work at this company i've heard about
3: but he doesn't stand out in any way aside from not being a jerk
2: yeah the only way he stands out is that he's constantly showing up and inserting himself in her life.
3: And he knows about construction. Maybe she finds that really hot.
2: Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, think we her need... grandpa finds it
3: hotter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think we needed more from Whitley to seem unlikable in yes. her eyes. Mm-hmm. Because he never did anything around her other than hitting him with the tennis ball. And that wasn't really uncalled for since he'd already intent Brucey had already intentionally hit him once
3: yeah Yeah. (laughs) or more than once she states that she doesn't love him which Mm. is totally acceptable like he doesn't have to be a horrid human being for her to not love him right uh but it doesn't seem like I feel like we just needed to push these characters further in yeah both of them
2: yep I agree with that uh but yeah a hot dog chasing a cherry picker mm-hmm. through traffic then hang gliding through a fucking stained glass window <laughs> hey, into a church do you
3: have any production notes on that because like no i want to know about this window and this church and like because it honestly looks like the window for the church that they just mm-hmm. break yeah it. I,
2: it's definitely just an insert with a with a replacement window for just the hang gliding shot but um
1: but it's such an elaborate shot yeah. <laughs> it really is like i mean so much of the money obviously like they they they, they really badly comp in gary Busey on the hang glider mm-hmm. but the oh, what, rest, yeah when he's in the air yeah. yeah but the rest of the hang gliding stuff is like yeah this, this this is real stuff flying over that waterfall really close to the water this is mm-hmm. pretty yeah and amazing. under
2: the bridge over the water yeah, yeah this
1: is all really impressive and driving that cherry pick around hitting a tri-light signal. Like, all these things, like, that were set up on this road. So many car wrecks.
2: And they're uh, driving head-on at a line of cars, and all of them are swerving off the road and smashing into things. Yeah.
1: Uh, I I don't understand. It feels like you're watching two different movies.
3: I still don't think I'm going to give it an up, though. I think that the first two-thirds of this movie were bad enough that I'm going to say, don't bother watching this. I
2: actually agree. Um, I really did love—you know, you know what? I changed my mind. It's giving up. <laughs> <laughs> the ending is so fucking cool. Yeah,
3: but would you make somebody else sit through the first... No, the I would just start movie? it
2: right at the beginning but of the that, car chase. But then
3: I don't think it gets an up. It's not a recommend.
2: Well, it's kind of like if you were watching the first season of Dark Shadows. <laughs> and you're like, this is fucking boring. It's just people from a long time ago talking to each other in weird words. Like, Wait, and then again, there's better. a fucking ghost? What? <laughs> <laughs> is there vampires and werewolves and shit? Yeah, I think I think that... that maybe the ending is even better because the first two thirds of the movie are so dog shit boring <laughs> That maybe. is just like holy shit what is why are they suddenly doing what I want them to do instead yeah. of what I can't stand looking at
3: <laughs> alright well still but down I, for me
2: I had to like stand and applaud when he crashed through that stained
1: glass window <laughs> at the end of the movie because I was like this is incredible thank you my dad had to come in and check on me because I, I was I was so excited <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he he was walking by, and he hear me going, "Yes,
3: yes." <laughs> <laughs> like your dad should learn not to walk in on you when you're like that. <laughs> yeah,
2: you'd think he'd learned his lesson. I have the door open too.
1: <laughs> I want the whole house. Like, to Richard, know. are
2: you watching? Uh, Can't stop the music again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think I think it actually isn't up for me. It's going way down on my list. Yeah, but it's an up just because the ending is pièce de résistance it's like uh it's like robert mckee tells uh charlie kaufman in that bar in adaptation where he's like wow them in the end (laughs) you've got a story (laughs) it's like okay you you got it you wowed me at the end that was worth it um but yeah so were you up or down
1: i i am giving it an up (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe i talked you into that it's
2: totally a down no i'm just kidding it's
1: No, no i i I am so enamored with the third act of this movie that <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Yeah. But weirdly, as I was watching this, I feel like I had seen this before. Oh, really? Um, I, I remember the Butler character, and I remember, specifically, I remember the line, can I interest you in some live bait? Oh, okay. And I was like,
3: wait, I just watched it, and I don't remember that line. Where was that? <laughs> uh,
1: when he's pretending to be the waiter at the at the party oh okay. like and he's before just like, she yanks sure. him under the table yeah he's sure. just like making fun Final of time. whatever the hors d'oeuvres are mm-hmm. but i was like God, i was like i think i've seen this before I, and i can't tell you that that i've seen it with any like 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 i'm gonna watch this movie it's just yeah. like i must have seen somebody watching it or seen it on tv or, or you just or,
2: watch that one scene even if you only remember tony randall and the bait
1: yeah um but uh it was weird that a lot of things started flashing in my head while i was watching this i was like and that's why I thought I knew what was going to happen. Like, I must have seen this. That's why I know this is going to happen, and he's going to go through that goddamn window.
2: <laughs> I Yeah, we, we saw that coming as soon as they showed the big window. I was like, that's a big enough window that this hang glider would fit through it. But they're not going <laughs> to fucking do that. <laughs> they spent so much money on all those cars crashing. There's no way he's going to come through this window on a hang glider. <laughs>
0: and he did it. It was so great
2: um okay so that's a down and two ups where's this going on your list jess
3: it's pretty darn low it is at 113 okay it is below without warning and above mother's day
1: okay richard um i also have this pretty low not that low um i have this at uh 71 okay um which puts it below roadie and above smoking the bandit too
2: okay um, I actually have it really low, pretty close to Jess. I have it at 109. Um, but that puts it right under The Exterminator and just above Oh God Book 2. Which, when I think about Oh God Book 2, I can't believe anything's below it. But I guess there are things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I have it. Um, I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we're Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show, and if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through patreon.com slash vintagevideopodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Times Square, which IMDb describes like so. Two ill-matched teenage girls form a punk band and soon have New York City by its ears. We leave you now with the trailer for Times Square.
0: There are eight million stories in the big city. People say I have a bird's eye view. Perched up here night after night, looking right down into the heart of the beast. That stuff comes with me! Would you get in the car? Yes, it's story time. This is Johnny LaGuardia. It's that kind of night and that kind of feeling. Uh, Pamela, this is uh, Dr. Huber of Columbia Presbyterian. I was in
1: a car,
0: Crash wasn't the war, but I've never been quite the same. <laughs> Pammy and Nikki, they've had it with being looked after. From now on, they're gonna run the show for themselves and find themselves some dreams. Alright, breathe my will bring your blows out this. are you laughing at? You said brain your blows out. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Out on the street and out of the night. They have a message for the city. Nikki! And they're gonna be heard on Times Square. I don't see why we need to be famous. You know a lot of things. I only know one thing, and it is that they're gonna see who I am. Apathy. finality, Boredom. Television. But a new iconoclast has come to save us. It's the Sleaze sisters. It's Nikki and Pamela. Go to it, girls. Get out of here! This is my place! You all need visiting! Out! This is Nikki Murata, famous murderer and entertainer. I'm throwing a concert tonight in Times
3: Square. To celebrate my escape from mental illness. Don't miss it.
0: coming together. Pammy and Nikki found each other and themselves on the streets of New York. Now, the whole city is gonna share their exhilaration. The venue will be Times Square.